people say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Let her get away, mommy. Season's greetings, listeners. Donnie here, aka Fatal Follower. I have hijacked the HMF airwaves. I have slithered down the chimney and plucked your favorite two elves while they were nestled, all snug in their beds. Okay, Captain Creature, producer, final girl Kate, what do you say? <laughs> Are you ready to get festive for the season? Oh, yeah. I am ready. Okay. I couldn't hear them because they were eating fruitcake that I forced <laughs> down their throat. We are going on a bloody Yuletide journey today. We are digging deep all the way down to January 30th, 1980. To all a good night. This is ho, ho, horrifying the host. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a little Hank Jr. there, like uh, Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, got a, got a little country there. I'm, I can't wait to talk about the sleaze. <laughs> oh, it's nice and sleazy. So the reason that this 80s slasher trash was picked was because of a few things. But before I influence any of your decision which I doubt I will, with these awesome things, I wanted to first get your initial reactions. So, Kate, Travis, what do you think? I'll start. I don't mind. I loved this. <laughs> it gave me Blood Rage vibes. And, like, obviously they're totally different movies, but at the end of the day they're slashers, right? Yeah. And they're 80 <laughs> slashers. And the reason I say that is because Blood Rage had me rolling on the floor laughing, and so did this one. <laughs> so that's my initial reaction. That's right. a good reaction. I, I'm so, glad. <laughs> so my re initial reaction, I said, this is the type of flick that lets you know what it is right up front. And I appreciate that about it. It's kind of like the uh, when we had Hodge on, Rob, um, Brother Rob, you know, to uh, talk about Madman. And he's just like, I appreciate it because it knows what it is. And it's a fucking 80s slasher. It's sleazy slasher. But it's like from that opening where you see the dummy get thrown over the ledge. Sorority, <laughs> sorority. <laughs> like the clear dummy. <laughs> like the dude wasn't even trying. He's like, fuck it, leave it in. It, this works. <laughs> Like that kind of shot just lets you know what you're in for. And that's my, and I loved it. Like that's my initial reaction. <laughs> nice. Well, I don't have to sell it too hard then. Cause I was like, oh, I'm going to have to really dig deep here. But I, I did, I did do a little bit of digging. Um, the reason that I picked this was because um, it holds the award for being the first slasher movie to be released theatrically, limited theat theatrically. Uh, January 30th of 1980. So this was released a full five months before Friday the 13th, right? So this movie features the first killer Santa centric horror movie. The taglines for it are amazing. You know, like you'll screen till dawn. And in the trailer, if you watch it, obviously it gives everything away. It's funny because the, it says they ran, they cried, they died. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. So it's like it has all that like cheesy stuff. But 
I wanted to mention that in 1972, Tells from the Crypt had a segment. Um, it's called All Through the House. And there was a killer Santa in that movie, but it's sort of, if you haven't seen it, it's really good. It's more of a sort of a morality tale and not a yeah. slasher movie. So this one kind of was, um, you know, it was it was the first of its kind. It was not it was not received well. You know, it's not a big surprise. I mean, I think it was obviously trying to be serious, and that's what's funny about it is is it tried to be serious and it's not at all. Was it though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, but what's funny is if you just watch it and don't know what year it comes out, you're like, man, all of these things are like so similar to all these other movies, but. Many of the tropes noted in this one, like, albeit at this time, were not considered tropes. You know, the female killer, spoiler alert, mm -hmm. uh, masked Santa, the prophet of doom. So we have a crazy Ralph in here way before Friday the 13th, uh, multiple killers. So a lot of those things, you know, are used heavily throughout the 80s, 90s and today. Just a couple fast facts before we dig deep. The title of the movie comes from a poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, published in 1823. Uh, this was released first time in Blu-ray 2014. Um, it was dark as hell. And yeah. as you'll know, as you'll notice, seeing it on Blu-ray or I'm not sure how it looked on Amazon, Katie, but you'll notice a lot of the, the scenes at night are actually in the daytime. Mm -hmm. So it goes back and forth like all the time. Like what day is it? What time? It's very surreal. Um, <laughs> the final girl, uh, Jennifer Runyon, she lost 65 pounds to play Nancy in the movie. Holy shit. Yeah, so she really like she really went for it um, for her first role, and she was famous afterwards in Ghostbusters. She was in all kinds of stuff. Miss Jensen, she was in the Santa suit for all of the scenes except the ending, which was kind of cool. David Hess, um, he's the director. He's notable notable for playing villains, murderous psychos. Um, he was a psycho in House on the Edge of the Park. Um, most famous, Wes Craven, Last House on the Left. I thought I reckon yeah, I thought I recognized that name from somewhere. Yeah, he's he's pretty known. He's pretty famous in a lot of like exploitation cinema. I recognized him from I didn't watch Last House on the Left, but he played this villain in the Wes Craven Swamp Thing movie. His name is Ferret. And so he's and then also he's in Body Count from Cannibal Holocaust director. So um, and he also used to write songs for Elvis Presley, which is kind of funny. So there's a lot to unload there in the fast facts, but that's all I got. You mentioned earlier uh, that awesome beginning scene with the, you know, it's a hazy, you know, Vaseline glazed overlook of the camera. And you hear these girls shouting sorority, sorority. And then the first death. And then that starts, you know, this whole movie. So that actually reminded me of Prom Night. So Prom Night was, what, 1980 as well, right? Yeah. yeah. But probably after this as well. So I was like, man, I wonder if... And that blew my mind, like, what you just said about Friday the 13th. Because that, like, changes somewhat of what I was thinking. Because I'm like, so did Cunningham see this movie before, obviously, they were making... Friday the 13th, you know, like I know this movie wasn't a huge hit or whatever, but yeah, it seems like there's a, a lot of similarities there really. Yeah. With yeah. The, the, the mom yeah. exacting her revenge. I, I for sure had that thought too. I was like, wait, this came out in 1980. That's the same year Friday the 13th came out as you pointed out. And I was like, which one came first? And when I looked it up, obviously this one did. And I was like, but that's not long enough for them to have written this basically the same ending. 
Yeah. Like yes. it wasn't a part far enough for them to, or maybe they did. Maybe they filmed a, an alternate ending really quickly. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about how that all shook out back in the day. 1980s, like the year of the vengeful mother, <laughs> <laughs> like the year of the awesome mothers. And then like at, at the end, like, um, like since we're talking about the ending, so one of the things that I was confused by, and maybe you guys like, uh, cause I just watched this by the way, like just a couple minutes ago, I finished it. So what was the deal with the dancing? Uh, it was almost like a surreal. There was like a lot of surrealism in this movie a little bit, like because the dancing chick. What was up with her? She was oh, dancing. Oh, Leah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's a really funny part. Um, so just to like quickly break down like the plot to get to that point, yeah. you know, the girl dies at the beginning, and then you you meet these finishing school girls that are getting ready to go on holiday, and um, they are flying in their boyfriends on an airplane and um, they get there in the house and there's, you know, a couple deaths and then you meet the police officer and then there's, you know, the rest of the movie is just, it's a body count movie. And uh, there's a lot more survivors than I thought, even though like I looked up the kill count and there was like 12 people that die in this movie. It gets down to a, you know, a handful of survivors. And then what's funny is in that scene that you're talking about, like she, she goes to the shower and she's getting ready to get into the shower. And then, you know, Santa shows up with the knife and it looks like they pulled her mask up and then she just screams. And then the next scene you see her, she's like, she's lost her mind and she's just like twirling around. <laughs> right. So I was, so I was wondering if obviously the mom, when she re- is revealed and she's, you know, attacking Nancy, she's like, you all killed my daughter you drugged her you gave her drugs and you pushed her off the roof or whatever i'm wondering like why did she why didn't she kill leah for one did she drug her did she make her take something or did she just like she saw leah snap and she was like it's not worth killing her now because she's not even scared of me because she's like yeah i don't know what that was about yeah there's so much that is going on like with the decisions made in the movie that it's it's so funny like it didn't go over very well with critics and it didn't go over very well and that's probably why you know friday the 13th was the big hit because if you watch it obviously it makes sense and everything's very cohesive but you're right kate like with that with that scene like it's very ambiguous like did she just snap after she saw the cop that was supposed to be protecting them who ended up sleeping with her, who she seduced, I guess. Did did, she, did, her, did seeing his death like trigger something or was she drugged? Like, who knows, you know? Yeah, I don't and know. She, and she got like a, a nice gown on and she like did her hair and makeup. Like it wasn't just like she put on, she kept her clothes on, like whatever. It's like she was like dressed up to like <laughs> twirl around the house. So one of the things that I really, really liked was, and this was hilarious, when these guys pull up in an airplane, like they land in the airplane, and it's like the most unfuckable dudes (laughs) pull up, and then then the dude's like playing his guitar, and he's like, uh, what does he say? Oh, he says, he's singing like, he says, Vagabond, running only makes you see, and then he's like, I don't seem so good. He's like, no, no you don't. They're just like sitting in the in the fucking living room, just like watching this dude badly play guitar and sing. Well, they didn't have much to do like back then, I guess. And I guess he was going to seduce the tone deaf girl because like I would have been like, this is a huge turnoff. But yeah. Um, yeah. 
I mean, but that is a good opening to some comments I had about the music in the film. Not specifically the music made by the characters, but like the actual like yeah. scoring of the stuff. This is bizarre, right? Um, so th- this is why I asked earlier, like, was it, were they trying to be serious? Because the the instruments that they chose for a lot of them, the scoring <laughs> of, this mu- of this movie is so comical. Like there's a flexitone. It's that. Wing, 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 like yeah, that. It was like Scooby-Doo-esque. <laughs> yeah. Points. There's like flexitone. There's like mouth harp at one point. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? And there's, um, of course, they also rip off a little bit, two different horror movies. Psycho. So in the, if you listened it during the scene where, the killer is entering the bathroom with Leah naked in the shower um, and he's holding up the knife mm-hmm. and the music in the background is kind of like a rip off of Psycho. It's like of the eat, 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 mm-hmm. but it's not quite as like in your face. It's like kind of a subtle. And then there's also in the scene, like when the, it's like almost whenever the slasher is approaching, it's like a Jaws theme. It's yeah. like, it's like, it's like they just slightly switched it. Um, so I just, I was like, who scored this thing? It's hilarious. I didn't look it up. Yeah. It's just the flexitone alone. And there were some slide whistles too. I was like, this has to have been meant to be funny, right? Cause yeah. these are funny instruments. These are like in slapstick, like three stooges. Kind of yeah. And stuff. then like, sometimes they'd be like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> shit like that. Like when somebody walked in the door and then walked back, it was just like some, in, like a like a scene that didn't really even matter, and there'd be like some like crazy sound over it. <laughs> yeah, it <was> like, <laughs> boing, 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 boing. <laughs> like I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't yeah. get enough. One of the things that like we have to talk about is Ralph and some of the dialogue in the film. Yeah, so I have like some of the dialogue written down. Like okay, a- <laughs> before you do, so for the listeners who might not have watched, you yeah. should 100% go watch it. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, but Ralph, they call him, they like jokingly call him Fast Ralph because he's <laughs> slow. He's like, he's this big, imposing kind of guy. He's on the older side, frankly, but he's big and he's kind of dumb, but he's like walking around and saying like really creepy things. He's doing really <laughs> creepy things, but you, you come to find that he's like got good intentions, I guess. But anyway, Trav, go ahead. So I took recordings of me doing some of Ralph's sayings. So I'm going to (laughs) play. You should be in bed. It's late and you should be in bed. (laughs) So I did this one too. Miss Nancy, I'm a man of the land. And I know when something is wrong, you got to watch yourself. pretty good impression you gotta love crazy ralph though right like he i i like when when you first in when the when you first see him because i think it's nancy like she's in the hallway and then you just see him like pop up all of a sudden <laughs> and he's got like the red like i don't know that it's like an undershirt or something and it, he kind of looks like he's They're like long johns or something long johns yeah, yeah exactly and he's just like there you know being this like dooms doom prophet yeah, he's like tending to the plants or something, and some chick walks up and she's like, "Miss Jensen made cherry pie and uh, stew." Mmm. And then he's like, "I like." Che-. Yeah, he's like, "I like cherry pie. I like Nancy too." <laughs> so, yeah, if I were Nancy, I'd be terrified. Like she always acts like, "Okay, Ralph. Okay," just like, just in case I guess he's gonna snap on her or do something. Yeah. But like he's very 
very creepy. Yeah, and even like everything about him is hilarious in this movie. And even this even goes to his death when um <laughs> when Nancy's running. She yeah, she's like she's running. Is she are they like playfully running from each other? Yeah. And she falls down or something. And his body just springs up. Like, she falls on his legs and his face just springs up out of the bushes. Yeah, like a, like if you stepped on a rake. Yeah. yeah. He's just laying like a fucking rake in the bushes. Can we also talk about Mrs. Ranzoni, Ranzoli Ranzoni stopping by when she's um, meeting with Miss Jensen and she brought her cannoli over and she happens to be also filling her purse with seasonings and... Yeah. Anything she can basically find as she walks around the kitchen. <laughs> like, what I like about movies like this is that there's so much bizarre, like, bizarre stuff happening that a, and I don't want to say this, like, to be, like, an asshole, but, like, that a legit filmmaker wouldn't have going on. Like, because it'd be, he'd be like, oh, this would take away from the plot or take away from the movie. And this dude's just like, leave it all in. Like, steal some spices, like, whatever. This will, like, enhance the movie or whatever. <laughs> there's just, like, so much stuff going on. Like, and it, like, like I brought up some of the dialogue. And I think, like, uh, like they're they're chasing each other and tickling each other. I can't remember. It's the guy that was dan- that was singing and one of the girls. Like, he hooks up with two of the girls, so I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. But he's like, uh, what does he say? She's like, you're faking it. And he's like, that's what my high school coach used to tell me. No, and so, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so that's the guy. He only hooks up with the one girl. It's the, they're like a couple. It's a guy who was singing and yeah. the, I don't know, the, the brunette girl. I don't, I don't, I think there's probably one of them, not the sex, not the sexual one, but the other yeah. one, the flat one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. That's a different guy, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, I wrote that down too. She's like, you were faking it because he falls on his back and is like, oh, my back. Because he's like, I'm, I'm big, but I won't be strong much longer. Yeah, dude, it was <laughs> that dude. Chase, if you keep making me chase you. Um, and so he falls on his back and is faking being hurt. So obviously she comes up to him and she's like, you were faking. But like, oh, why did he, what is that supposed to That's what to my mean? high school coach used to tell me. Is, is he was he like a basketball player and he used to flop a lot or something like or he's banging his coach yeah. <laughs> he's like she's like he's like this better be worth the chase and she's like it will be mm. <laughs> i mean that that's also a good segue we should probably talk about the sexual relationships between all these characters oh yeah like they're just going from one to the other they do not even care if they're attracted to it's them. like the real world they or just so, want to like, fuck this is like jersey <laughs> shore slasher or something <laughs> yeah there's just people yeah. popping in and there's cops that are staying over and staying the night and she's making bedrooms for for people and it's just it's so fluid it's like yeah whatever it's like a brothel like, yeah it's, like it's almost slasher. it's almost like this movie was gonna be a porn and they're like let's actually scale it back and <laughs> let's add a plot <laughs> Well, funny that you mentioned that because the pilot who they made stay outside and sleep on the floor for two days right, is actually a porn star. Is he really? I, I learned that from the video with Mrs. Jensen. She said that they wanted her to do something with him in a scene that the director did. And she said that she would absolutely not do it because she would not be associated with a porn star. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny, but yeah. And the poor guy was out there for the whole night in the cold, you know, and then the next day he's there still. 
He's sleeping under the airplane or something like. Yeah, he didn't even have a sleeping bag or nothing. They said that in the editing, they took out the sleeping bag. So when she goes up to him at the end, he's just laying on the ground to sleep in front of the plane. And he had almost a whole day to fix the plane, but he did not. (laughs) (laughs) He waits until um, the the pretty brunette that's not the sexual. Like, I guess there are three brunettes now I'm thinking about it. But anyway the last brunette standing she um like runs to the plane and is like we have to get out of here everyone's dead and he just starts like now fixing the plane and then of course he dies somehow (laughs) and his death didn't make any sense either it's like once the plane turned on like like the you see uh the santa in the fucking airplane and then you see blood just start spraying everywhere when she turns on the turbines or whatever (laughs) It's like, why is he standing under the fucking, why is he standing by the turbine? (laughs) Oh, gosh. So one of the things that I was confused by, so where was the set? So this was set in Southern California. Okay. Okay. So. Because there's definitely palms and yeah. Yeah. So that was actually one of my negatives about this is that it doesn't feel as much like Christmas as I thought it was going to. Like, and that's not like a serious negative or anything. Would it have been cooler if it was set in the snow? Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, they couldn't have had their titties out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she could have been wearing like an open shirt with no bra. Yeah. And running around the woods. And yeah. So you were rewatching this, I think, last night, right? So how did this hold up to you, like uh, revisiting it and stuff? You know, as a kid, when I would, wa- when I had watched it, I, like I said, I watched it on VHS. I used to go to one of the video stores in town and rent it and, it, like I said, it was so dark. Like the scenes that are outside are are super dark. Only thing you can really see is the Santa outfit, and you you can't see like any of the deaths or anything. So it was really hard to see. And so when I got the Blu-ray a few years back, I I watched it, and um and I kind of watch it every Christmas. It's kind of funny, you know, obviously to watch. Um, watching it last night in a different. Uh, lens like trying to like analyze it it was a lot more fun because I just noticed so much more that I kind of had you know just really didn't really care about before um, so I, I think I enjoyed it actually a, a lot bit more than I did you know in the past so Kate what were some of the did I'm assuming because I see your notes here mm-hmm. I'm assuming you wrote down some lines and stuff so what were some of your um, favorite like <laughs> okay I got one for you so <laughs> Trisha who is like the horny queen of the group. She starts out coming down with a sexual zo- joke. She practically hangs her, hangs her breast over the railing of like the banister, <laughs> yeah, you know, does. like, and she's always got something sexual to say, which most of them do, but she's like hypersexual. I was so upset to see her die so soon. But anyway, I felt like she deserved better, but her kill was actually really good. In the kitchen, in the dark and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I thought that that was I love that part. Legit. His little hand comes out yeah. <laughs> or around the corner. like. <laughs> but so after she's killed, um, nobody's like, nobody gives a shit. They're like, oh, where's, where is she with the beers? She must have gone off somewhere. Like, They're I don't getting know. up to drink milk yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night because yeah. that's sexy. I don't know. <laughs> I wrote of... down milk sexy? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, a lot of milk drinking. <laughs> but Trisha had gone to get beers and never came back and nobody thought that that was weird. Um, and... So the guy that she was kind of hooked up with mm-hmm. comes and meets his death very soon, but he comes to look for her and he he says, Trisha, he's like, where are you? Where are you? And he was like, get your act together. <laughs> like, well, one, you're talking to no one because she's not around. And two, get your act together. Yeah. What does that mean? 
Like, who wrote this? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff like that. Rose commented on, she was like, you could tell this is a guy writing women. Because it's like, they were at, at that part when they were at dinner, like, a quote was, God bless airstrips, bless whoever made airplanes. <laughs> it was like two characters. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like the very awkward small talk. It's just yeah. not realistic. So there's another um, funny quote. So this is, t- like, towards the endish. um the guy that f- hooked up with Leah f- the first night, the guy that she was like, he's rich. He's not, the- he's like not the worst at sex, but he's rich. I'm going to, you know, nail him down. Mm-hmm. Um, so he loses interest in Leah because Leah is fucking around with a cop now right in front of his face. <laughs> um, so he's starting to go after this other very beautiful brunette girl um, who has her, you know, boobs barely covered in like a handkerchief basically is her top um and so he's really turned on by her she likes him and he's trying to convince her because she's obviously spooked a bunch of people are missing and at least one person they know is dead and he's like says something of like about how he knows karate or something and he's like (laughs) karate (laughs) and then he goes in in the weirdest accent i don't know what he was going for but he was like nobody gonna mess around with this boy (laughs) boy (laughs) do you remember that (laughs) and he says it's so strange and he's trying to make her laugh i guess but Mm -hmm. i don't know what he was trying to do there so that was actually his death was actually one of my favorite deaths too because like it was so brutal like when they were talking and it it started funny and then it ended brutally like because they're like making out and stuff by that barn or like outside somewhere and then that wire just like slowly comes down into the screen yanks <laughs> up around his neck. Right, but and that's what I didn't understand is he could have just like pulled his head backward and then yeah. he wouldn't be in it anymore. Yeah. But he just stayed there to be killed. Like I- <laughs> Yeah. He was just standing there like looking shocked and shit. Yeah, she could have like grabbed the wire and pulled it away from like she just stood there and watched it. <laughs> so silly. But yeah, there there were a few like really good deaths in this. Like another one of my favorites was um well the posing of the body when he puts up the head like on the shower head i mm-hmm. thought that was pretty cool like I-, I thought that was that was blood ragey too yeah yeah I- yeah for sure yeah hanging the head <laughs> right outside the door yeah uh-huh. for sure and my other favorite what was Did that you love how they had time to like not also kill these people but also bury dig the holes and bury the bodies outside right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be fair shallow graves but like why are you yeah. why bury them just put them somewhere where no one will yeah put them out in the them. woods or something so one of the other deaths that i really really liked was when he grabbed the axe and uh he's walking towards the cop and the cop's like what are you doing also another scene that's very similar to the first friday the 13th when he says like what are you doing out in this get up and that get up or something <laughs> it was almost like it mirrored the mom like when he's like what are you doing out in this mess like the the camp exactly. counselor or whatever yeah, and then he the the easiness in which he swings that axe is hilarious. <laughs> like with one arm, and it goes right in his head. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" You can't re- you can't forget the um the scene that's the other scene, like Friday the Thirteenth, where they had time to stay in the Santa outfit and also put on the night outfit and stay right. there, dude, and wait <laughs> until they could shoot them with the crossbow. Yeah, yeah, that's when I knew that there was two killers right there had to be mm-hmm. and how that, long was he waiting that was one of my favorites yeah <laughs> to be so still no one would hear him breathing or moving <laughs> shifting like he's just actually like a suit of armor standing there and then boom there's a crossbow and how does he kill her again he just like 
Um, Chops her. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, she, she he gets the crossbow through the, or the arrow through the head out the mouth, and then her head gets chopped off. So her head is the one that's in the shower. Right. Chops her head all the way off. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious to me. I loved that. Yeah, that was when I I was like, all right, we're in straight up Scooby Doo mode, yeah. like the music and the guy in the night armor and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, what was your favorite part? Seeing it, so you've seen it more times. There's so many favorite scenes, but I always crack up, you know, when they're saying sorority, sorority over at the beginning. Like that just like kills me every time. I don't know why. It's like who runs around saying that, you know? I can tell you what I think they probably were going for is they didn't want to say the actual Greek letters of any sorority in case they might get sued. I bet. Oh, that makes sense then. <laughs> but they wanted to make it sure that you knew that it was there was a sorority. I think. I think that's funny because it's like it happens so fast and then it's already starting. It's like she and the body drops and it's like that awful mannequin. I just love that part. And I I really love the part where you first see the Santa putting on the gloves and you see the picture of the girl and then you see the list kind of hanging out there on the table. And then rather than, you know, you're you're expecting the Santa or the killer to like mark off a name for who they're going to kill. But instead they just put like a giant ass X through the whole paper. It's like, okay, yeah, they're not fucking around. They already know they're going to kill everybody. And yeah. it, just, <laughs> it just cracks me up like every time I'm like, no. So I knew, and I wish I had written down some of the dialogue from this scene, but I knew it was the mom. Or I knew that the house mom was the killer when the girls are coming in and they're like, aren't you scared? A bunch of people are missing. Aren't you scared? And she's just like, nah, not really. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm like, okay, she knows something. She's up to something. Yeah, and then they make a comment like, oh, Miss Jensen's like worthless out of the kitchen or something. Like there's something to do with that too. And then they're, they're, are they're just like, she doesn't know her way around like outside of the kitchen or something. And I was like, oh, she might be the killer. Like for sure. Yeah. She's, she's like, what y'all need is a good hearty dinner. Yeah, beef stew and cherry pie. Honestly, sounds like a nice dinner. But um, did you? Were you guys genuinely surprised by the detective being the dad? Yeah, that part. And also another me. killer because it got me. Well, Annie, like, he returned at the end and then died like a minute later. <laughs> like he was just picked off a minute later. But yeah, like yeah, because I I was that really surprised me a lot because I thought it was just going to be Jensen. Honestly, I thought it might be the the girl that's like walking around. Uh, dancing like and mm -hmm. you know singing and shit <laughs> i was like oh she's gonna be she's gonna be like the other the sister or something or you know something like that but no it just ends on her like just singing still <laughs> like at the yeah house. it surprised me because i i mean you know i i didn't expect two killers at all but then when you see the santa bringing her in you're like Oh, maybe, you know, I, for some reason, when I first watched it, I remember thinking it's Mrs. Renzoni because you never see her again. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe they were like sisters or something. And they were, you know, pissed about this. And then, you know, when he starts talking, I'm like, oh, well, obviously that's the detective because he had that very distinct voice. And I, I love the scene when you meet the detective and he's like telling them, you know, stay indoors and lock up and everything. And then watching it again, it's like, yeah, that's so ominous what he's saying to them. Oh, and the way he held Nancy's face when she was scared, 
that was like the most disturb one of the most disturbing scenes in this whole thing for me like he held her face almost like he was gonna make out with her which was weird <laughs> but he but i suppose knowing what i know now if i went back and watched that it would seem more menacing and like threatening mm-hmm. but to me it was just like so bizarre the first time around one thing that we do have to bring up like just like a little note here is that like this is also another subgenre and we've touched on this a little bit but it's like the sorority slasher which is like another I know it's one of your favorites for sure like sorority row and like um what was it slumber party Ma- what was it sorority house massacre yeah there's uh slumber party massacre oh well, yeah there's sorority house massacre and what's the one with the clown uh, that one is the house on sorority row house on sorority row was the one that i was thinking of yeah so yeah, a lot of so many of those some yeah <laughs> that's like a big like house on sorority row though uh i thought about a couple times during this because like i just love that like setting and stuff well if you think about it a lot of the people making these films are dudes oh for sure and th- there's this like fetishization uh, fetishization i was trying to get that word out um of like co-eds like girls oh, yeah. Yeah. all being in the same place at the same time we must all like be you know having naked pillow pi- naked pillow and- fights and you know <laughs> yeah. being pent yeah. up and horny yeah. um and so i feel like that is like a natural way for a lot of like the dudes in the 80s who are making film like slasher films oh, to yeah, go for sure. and, on t- and on top of that women tend to be the victims in almost any horror movie if you oh, throw good- a stick you're gonna hit one and the good ones they are for sure. <laughs> shut up travis and then <laughs> <laughs> um and like what better way to get a bunch of women in the same place a sorority so it, i mean it does make a lot of sense if that's what you're going for oh for sure one, one that we do got to cover at like that I have to horrify Kate with. Maybe maybe we'll do it pretty soon. I don't know. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre, directed by a woman. The killer has a drill. The driller killer. <laughs> There's like a lot of fucking... Set at a sorority. It's set at a sorority, right? Or it's just like a group of girls, like a house of girls. Yeah, it's a, it's a house of girls. Yeah, it's basically a, a sorority house. And yeah, that one's a really fun one. And I was going to mention to you both because Kate mentioned um, about the... Uh, the men directors is there's a woman director her name is roberta finley and she used to direct porn or softcore porn or whatever and she turned to horror movies and so she started um making these very exploitive um 80s you know slashers and horror movies overall but she made a very campy very fun movie called blood sisters and it's really it's it's along the lines of like blood rage in this movie like it's very very cheesy of it she's a she's an interesting uh a director because she if you watch them watch it and yeah i won't say more but it's it's fun watching it and then knowing she's a woman i'll just say that yeah sure. i already love the name blood sisters is awesome <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> Yeah, but we got to cover that one, like, for sure. Like, because that one will blow. Like, that blue rose is fucking mine. Like, the driller killer and shit. <laughs> it's just so fucking cheesy and over the top. What did you think of the kills? I mean, there was a lot of them. They were, you know, fairly... Well, we, I guess you did talk about them earlier, about the... Yeah. How would you rate the level of gore in this, for anyone wondering who might not have seen it? Uh, I would give this, like, a... Not the best gore. They're funny kills. I would give it, like, a three out of five. Three and a half out of five, though. Like, as far as the gore, like, it's not like blood rage gore because blood rage gore was actually like blood rage gore is probably like a five out of five. Yeah, there's like the Terminator 2 guy, and like, yeah, but not as much. I will say that there's they're very campy kills, so like, on that, 
and mm-hmm. it's like re- it's really cool, like really awesome and really funny. A good time. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right on the nose with that. I mean, it's not really gory. I, I mean, the scene where he you know slits her throat and he like pulls back her neck. You can never see that in until you watch the Blu-ray. Um, and then when he gets hit by the rock, like you could never see like the result. And so mm-hmm. it, it was it was like watching it uh, again for the first time. But you're right. I don't think it's as gory as a lot of the other movies were. And yeah, yeah. And part of that was like, like you said about the tropes, like the, at the beginning, it's like it's cre- it's kind of like helping to create some of these. Like I know we had like Halloween and Black Christmas and stuff like that before. But like as far as the Friday the 13th slasher. Like this was like very much in line of with that, and it came earlier, which is cool. Yeah, and I think that like if you look at like Friday the Thirteenth sort of being like a reaction or like a result of like Halloween, you can kind of look at this one as like a result of like Black Christmas, which is kind of why I I think it's cool that you watched and did the classic Black Christmas last week because you can see like how the opposite of that can be with the similar stories and, you know, similar setting or whatever, but it's, it's, it goes a lot more camp, a lot more sleazy. And were there any shots like in particular that you guys thought were actually like gave you a little bit of a creep factor, a little bit of a chill factor? Um, I got a chill factor when, so when the first killer is revealed, like the mother, I got a little creep factor because she's saying like, you watched her die and then that that chick is like dancing around in the background like that was a little creepy like to be honest Uh (laughs) yeah and of course you find out nancy wasn't even like uh, enrolled in the school when that happened but this woman is off her (laughs) rocker you know she's killing anybody and everybody yeah Yeah. i i really like the scene when the santa that has the mask was um, so nancy and the geeky boy who lost his virginity and now he's mm. on to Nancy in the same yeah. day or whatever. Um, his glow up. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he and Nancy are checking to make sure all the windows are locked. They've gone up to the hot, like the attic or something like up the top floor um, to just check the closets, make sure there's nothing open up there. And as they're going up, there's like a window that you can see across somewhere Mm-hmm. Um, the stairwell or something like that mm-hmm. and the santa Ooh, with yeah. the mask is like crouched there and they don't see him because they're they just it's in their peripheral or they just out of their peripheral as they're turning the corner and they don't see him at all but he's just sitting there and i thought that shot actually kind of gave me the creeps yeah that was creep and the mask is creepy like just the mask in general like with those blue like cheeks and shit. yeah it's very clowny yeah it's very very creepy <laughs> Like very creepy. He almost looked like a fucking like one of those um like one of those one off Batman issues when he faces like a psycho or something, like a killer. And it's like he just kinda of wearing like a weird mask or something. It's like one of those rando eighties Batman stories or whatever. Also, like why wear the mask, really? Yeah. I if you're killing anybody who's gonna see you. Well, it's kinda of funny what? too, because really like if you think about the plot, which little of it there is there's not a reason for it to be set on Christmas or have that Santa motif because, and you know, it's two years later. So what, there was no really significance to a lot of those decisions for the death. Like why was it not, you know, the next year or on the anniversary or, so it's a lot of random things that kind of just melded together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess the filmmakers probably should have put some of this in there, but it could make sense that the mom would 
have to get the position of house mom. You're right. So she'd have to infiltrate the sorority and become the house mom and become sort of trusted. So that could that could explain the passage of time between when their daughter died and when they got were able to exact their revenge. But yeah, the Wyatt Christmas. You're right. I yeah, don't she understand. Did, she did the slow kill like fucking uh, Talia Al Ghul and <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. She had to she had to sleep with Bruce first and shit. <laughs> I like that, Kate. That makes sense. Yeah, I try to make sense of things that the filmmakers don't make sense for us. But <laughs> see, I don't. I just sit there with like a blank expression on my face and go, "That was killer" and shit like that. <laughs> I do wish that there was some tie into Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. Here, I'm, I'm going to do the filmmaker's job. Um, maybe it w- they, they did it on Christmas because most of the girls would be gone, making it easier for them to creep around and kill just like a select few of like, I mean, these are girls, I guess if you think of it this way, these are girls who don't even want to be with their families on Christmas. They're like rich bitches who have like, they're ungrateful. They don't, yeah. they don't have any respect for any of their elders. Especially not, you know, Miss Jensen and Miss Ronzoni. Or, like, they're just bitches to them, you know? And yeah. as if she can't hear them from the kitchen <laughs> talking shit about her. You know what I mean? But, like, maybe that, like, strategically, they could have picked any holiday, technically, where you would go home. Um, yeah. they, this could have very well been a Thanksgiving kill at, like, a uh-huh. bring break or, you know, anything <laughs> like that. I will say, man, there's just something about, like, a killer in a Santa suit that was, like, so creepy. Like, so creepy. Yeah, I think that they did a good job with the the mask and, like, the costume. I thought that, oh, you know, it's, it's a creepy look. And it kind of reminds me of, like, I don't know if you remember, but, I mean, you can Google them and look at images. But of the old, like, vintage Santas, like, from, like, the 40s and 50s that had oh. the overly, like, rosy cheeks and the really chubby faces that's what it kind of reminded me of that very yeah. mm-hmm. uh, vintage look and i think it was cool too that they had i mean like kate was saying you know having both um happen happen on christmas with a with a small group of people does make sense especially when you're working with a cop and the cop is there to like kind of smooth things over so yeah it make sense. And, yeah so Miss Jensen must must have been the one to quote unquote call the cops, call her husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think he's a cop. Um, <laughs> but how? Well, maybe he was. Like, was he a cop? Because like, they actually got cops to come out. Mm-hmm. The cops were like, really them. creepy and shit too. <laughs> and they seem to they seem to respect his authority. So like he either already happened to have been a detective. Yeah, he was in the town. A like their daughter must have just they must have lived in that town and that's why she went to that school or something which doesn't really equate because Miss Jensen is like a house mom or you know something like that he's a detective this is a really expensive elite school like how did they ever afford their daughter to go there anyway yeah what did they um, ever give her the name of the school like what was the name of the school well it, it's the Calvin school Calvin, Calvin school, school. Okay. yeah it's the first thing you see but I didn't write it down either so but Kate, it's a finishing school. Is is a finishing school, can that also be a college? Because I don't know how that would work. I mean, I'm no expert in this and maybe I'm making this up, but I always understood finishing schools to be not sororities. Sororities are affiliated with a university. <laughs> and so I always associated finishing schools to be something separate from college, but maybe they were always like, you know, incorporated when all girls went to school for was to find a husband. There was a time when that was a thing. And so this was really parents' way of, you know, sending their 
girls off to bec- to learn how to be like home good, ha- good housewives, <laughs> you know, um, good representatives of the family. Um, I'm, I don't really know. Like a, it'd be like a college of home ec, like that kind of. Kind of like just like learning etiquette and making connections and networking and finding your husband, learning how to throw the best parties and impress people. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But if you notice too, like at the beginning, they mentioned something and it's very brief, but about something about be good to the girls or something because they're from politicians, families, or there's, Mm -hmm. they're all very rich. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's why I guess they're like, you know, maybe they're, being christened for for politician politician life or who knows these are obviously very sexual girls like they're wild and they're you know breaking the rules so like maybe they you know set a precedent in their lives in like high school or whatever and they're like their parents are like okay you're going to the finishing school where there's no boys and you need to focus on something i don't know yeah and i guess like the boys did fucking it's not like the boys got in a car and drove here it's like the boys landed in a fucking airplane which was weird you know (laughs) yeah yeah so i definitely a lot of questions to be answered was there ever a sequel to this it was the kennedys is what this movie's about yeah uh no there was no sequel um yeah it, it 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 performed pretty bad. It was limited. It was an indie film. So then, you know, you can think about, um, you know, the very tight budget they had. There was uh, no known actors. I mean, I think the biggest actor then was the actual porn star, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, it was an indie effort that got released uh, very limited. And yeah, it kind of, it was actually a lost uh, movie for a very long time on, and then it, I think later on it was released on VHS. So it, it wasn't something that a lot of people had even seen. So do we want to go around and give our final ratings? Sure. You want to start? Okay. Uh, you want me to start? Okay. So I love this kind of campy slashing stuff. Like we've mentioned several names. So if you guys want to check out some of those for sure, like the sorority house massacres are awesome. Slumber party massacres, uh, house on sorority row, all these movies, have one thing in common and that they're excellent camp sleaze. And that's one of my favorite types of movies are these sleazy slashers. So I would actually give this a four out of five. Like I really, really liked it. Like I really like these kind of movies. Like, like you saw, you see pieces here on my wall and like, (laughs) I love those kind of movies, man. Like they don't make any fucking sense and they're awesome for it. So yeah, four out of five for me. Um, yeah, I think I give this a four out of five, just, you know, pure entertainment factor. I was more entertained than most of the slashers that I've seen apart from like Blood Rage and Blood Diner. Like mm-hmm. those are probably two of my favorite like campy slashers that you guys have introduced me to. Mm-hmm. Um and so this is like not quite on those love on that level but mm-hmm. very like just below. And so yeah, I would is say this, Is this right there with Madman for you? I actually like this better than Madman. Really? A lot better than Madman. The- yeah. <laughs> She's like Madman sucked. <laughs> um it it, that one definitely had its problems that one seemed like it was actually trying to be (laughs) serious it's trying to be a chiller um but this one seemed like it they had to have been going with like to make you laugh at the same time i do not accept that this is meant to be serious (laughs) yeah no i think they were definitely like tongue-in-cheek on this one as well the music alone is what what makes me think that but anyway i i think that this is one that i'm 
it's my first funny Christmas slasher. Mm-hmm. Like the only other Christmas horror movies I've ever seen are the ones that we were doing we were doing on the on the podcast this month. Mm-hmm. So we did Black Christmas 2019, then the 1970 whatever three or four version, mm-hmm. and then this one. So these are the only Christmas horror movies I've seen, and I'm I'm loving it. Um, this one is definitely one to put on at a Christmas party. Oh, yeah. I know none of us are really having parties this year yeah. because of COVID and whatnot, but like definitely, definitely it would be a really fun addition to like a Christmas party. If you do like a friend's, you know, gathering, a friend's, like home alone in this a Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Eve Eve party, um, maybe put on this slasher. It's really fun. So Bob, so that we have you on and stuff like, what is your opinion on like Christmas as a whole, like Christmas horror and stuff like that? Because, I talked about it, like I talked about it on the Black Christmas episode, like I've actually started to like Christmas more, like in general, because <laughs> Christmas seems like like the second biggest, like there may be even more horror movies affiliated with Christmas than there is like Halloween and shit. I, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but like, it seems like there's a ton of Christmas horror movies, like now. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, I think uh, aside from uh, the Halloween horror, I love Christmas because I love obviously the Christmas horror that goes along with it, and I mean, I, I love December because it's got my birthday, it's got Christmas, it's got, you know, and you're going into the New Year's. So it's a whole bunch of um, special days for me, along with a whole bunch of ridiculous, like, Christmas-themed New Year's horror movies. Yeah. But there but there are a ton of Christmas slashers, Christmas horror movies. I, I didn't start discovering a lot of them until I was probably like a teenager because a lot of them aren't really well played around the holidays because obviously you know we live in um a very censored world when it becomes you know attack on christmas kind of vibes (laughs) so as you'll see with kate when you watch silent night deadly night or yeah silent night deadly night that's one that is very controversial and has a whole list of things um from a group of people that did not want to see that movie being made and shown. So a lot of these Christmas movies are sort of the the black sheep of the horror mainstream because of that, because of that idea of bringing horror into the most sacred holiday. But I, I love them. I love uh, all of the Christmas horror that I've seen. And um, I always get excited when I see new ones out. And, um, you know, most of the one, the new ones are, aren't that good, but I, I enjoy him and I enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, I, I, I think, like I said, I enjoy it more, you know, last night watching it again. What's your rating, Donnie? I'm so uh, random because I like to go out of 10 because I feel like I can give it a little bit more of an excuse of why I'm writing it so high. <laughs> but I go with maybe like a seven out of 10, um, maybe even uh, pushing a seven and a half because I, I, I do like the the silliness of it and the score, which I'm glad that Kate, you noticed that because that's, those are perspectives that I'm not knowledgeable on, like what instruments were used. And that makes me want to like, listen to it again, just to like, cause it is very, when I, when I heard it watching it, I'm like, this is so zany, like listening <laughs> to it during these kills. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mix together, but it's kind of a funny mix. Um, so I, I like that about it. And uh, yeah, I think a seven and a half uh, for me, maybe. You can picture like during the kills, like as they're putting the sound together, you can picture a guy with a cigarette in his mouth, perhaps a joint, just like fucking, fucking with the buttons, like, you know, just like fucking <laughs> with the dials and stuff. Let me play you a video of a, of a flexitone. <laughs> 
so demented. <laughs> that's a flexitone. Like that's throughout this whole movie. Oh yeah. It's so crazy. It's like a dark whimsical moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they do it even more like yeah, like somebody, a cartoon almost. Yeah. Yeah. It, you brought up Looney Tunes earlier. Like it, it is very like like there's like a fucking I don't even know like what cartoon it would be, but like there's a very like zany, like you said zany too. Yeah, that makes the, a lot of sense to me. The perfect word for this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Bub, do you have a book recommendation this week or anything like that? I actually a book that you recommended to me, and I ended up buying it, and I bought it in the uh, version that has three books called Twisted, but the book that I'm reading now is called Sleigh Bells, Ooh. and it's by Joe Gibson, and it's. Uh, the description, it's enjoying the holiday shopping season at the new local mall. Diana Connolly is horrified when she and her friends are trapped there during a snowstorm and a twisted killer begins checking off a list of his own. So this came out um, in the very early 90s and it's a very teen-centric, teen-friendly book. It's not, you know, it's not written in any way that's complicated. Um, but I, I started reading it because I knew there was going to be a snowstorm and I like to read things oh, yeah. very, I'm a th- theme, uh, queen like Katie in those regards. I like to surround myself with themes. And so I love, um, being very seasonal. So I pulled that out and I started reading it and I had just gotten it actually a couple weeks ago and it's pretty fun. It's campy. Um, they're trapped in a mall and they're hanging out, they're watching movies and, uh, a Santa is pissed because, the mall was built on his grandpa's property. So the property got taken away from his grandpa. And so he has a score to settle and he's going to settle it with the teens. So there you go. Yeah, for sure. And that would be my book recommendation as well. Like just sleigh bells goes really, really well with this movie. Like that's an excellent pairing of (laughs) like that early nineties, young adult, like slasher, like by Joe Gibson, but for sure. Yeah. Go check that out. Like they've actually, started to release it's not as cool of covers like that twisted paperback you were talking about but they've actually started to release the christopher pike stuff too like in those style of paperbacks like i said the covers the cover art's kind of lame because it's always just like a pretty teen like looking ahead and shit but they did the chain letters and they did like they're starting to release his books like three at a time and stuff so that, those are actually like at barnes and noble and stuff like you can get those i got the chain letters at the uh, greenwood barnes and noble but yeah, they've started to release that. They're in the young adult section. But Christopher Pike stuff is like pretty fucked up for young adult stuff. Like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of dark stuff in there. But yeah, th- this was a fun movie, dude. Yeah, uh, thanks for introducing it to us. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, I was watching, I started watching it last night. And, you know, obviously it's like snowy here and we're like, you know, pretty much housebound and i was like gabe are you going to uh, watch this with me and he's like what kind of movie is it and i was like oh it's for the podcast i'm horrifying uh travis and kate and he's like is it a good movie and i'm like well yeah i mean i'm watching it right you know <laughs> just kidding with him and and then as soon as we sit down five minutes into it he falls asleep and then he wakes up at the end when miss jensen is in, is unveiling her mask or whatever and he's like i missed a whole bunch didn't i i'm like yeah you missed a whole lot of stuff <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad you both enjoyed it. I was I was worried because when you introduce things to people, like when I introduced um, the church to you and Gabe and Rose a long time ago, I was like, 
this is going to be the best movie for them to watch and then they watch it and they were like cracking up laughing of course <laughs> you were like this movie's fucking terrifying and then that fucking dragon's like on top of that girl like <laughs> yeah that movie talk about bizarre that movie's fucking bizarre but yeah it, it, thank you for like like kate said in introducing us to this movie and it's always good to see your face and talk about horror yes uh, but I'll go ahead and close this out if that's all. Yeah. Uh, you, as always, you can find us at Horrifying MF. I always fuck this up. At Horrifying MF <laughs> on Twitter and at Horrifying My Friends on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, hit me at Twitter as well. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty like on Twitter quite a bit. I'll reply to you and stuff. But thank you for joining us for this Christmas horror edition of Horrifying the Host. Kate and I had a blast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.